When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. And what is up? Welcome in a Thursday episode of GC Live. Wes Mitchell here, joined momentarily by Kendall Smith. We got plenty to get to, plenty to talk about here on Gamecock Central Live. As you know, uh, we're a little bit off as far as doing the uh, the multiple shows uh, per week, so uh, we're going to jam everything we got into one day. Again, I'm Wes Mitchell, joined down by Kendall Smith. Uh, Kendall, the thing about doing the sort of once a week, which is what we settled in right now, is we have a ton to get to, a ton to hit on. Uh, but first, because I, I don't want to forget, obviously, the most important man, most important person of our show, it's actually my good buddy Clint Hammond, who I'm going to go to lunch with actually right after the show. So shout out to Clint, the presenting sponsor of GC Live. You can see his smiling face right there, NMLS number 71597. C. Hammond at mortgagenetwork.com is his email address, 803-576-4450. And uh, give Clint a shout if you are in the market for a new home, and uh, he can help walk you through that process. Uh, Scary times as far as interest rates go. So hit up Clint. He'll tell you what's up. Kendall, you look so, your screen, your video looks so much clearer than last time. Looks like the Wi-Fi is good to go. Yes, the Wi-Fi is good to go. If you were around for the last GC Live, you will know that I had so many troubles because the night before we had a huge storm in North Carolina and it knocked out our Wi-Fi. So we are back. We are good to go. Ready to talk about all things South Carolina, all things SEC meetings. I know we're talking about Jalen Brooks coming back. We've got OBs coming up this weekend, a recent commit for the South Carolina football team. So I'm excited that my video is working so that I can show my expressive face because Wes will always send me text messages of like screenshots of my face when I'm doing various shows or talking about certain things. He says I'm very expressive about things, so I'm glad that my video is working so you all can see my true reactions to the conversations we're having today. I, I actually, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give this away, I have planned at some point, I think this will be good for the start of football season, I'm going to tweet out the faces of GC Live because <laughs> – if you go if if you look in the system where you see all the archived videos, it's it's like it's not like YouTube. Like YouTube will I think their algorithm sort of tries to if you don't upload a video, YouTube like tries to pick a, a screen grab, basically, I think is the word that's like 
it looks somewhat, most of the time it looks somewhat natural. Sometimes it does look a little bit off. But the StreamYard, which is the system we use, it just picks a random grab. So there is there are literally probably hundreds, maybe cl- close to a thousand um, now, the shows we've done of me, you, Chris, Mike, Colin, and everybody's face is just in these very odd spots. So at some point, I'm going to bust out the faces of GC Live and just put them all out there, which are um, going to be pretty funny. Um, all right, so Kendall, we got we got plenty of things to get to. So I'm I'm going to uh, I brought us in, but I'm going to hand you the reins of the show. What are we talking yeah. about? I think we need to start off by talking about Jalen Brooks because that is very recent news. It just came out, uh, I think, yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Yesterday, yeah, that Jalen Brooks will be coming back. He will be rejoining the South Carolina football team. So he was not a part of the team, I think, about midway through last season um, due to reasons that were undisclosed. None of that really came out, so we don't know exactly why that happened. And Shane Beamer really kept it on the down low. He said, you know, we're trying to work things out. We'll see if he's able to come back. It was just announced yesterday that he will be coming back for the upcoming year. So that's another receiver for South Carolina for the upcoming season. And honestly, Wes, for me, it was kind of surprising. He was one of those people that after he left last year, I was like, okay, like he's gone now. I didn't really think he would be coming back. But now that he is coming back, it's another person that South Carolina can add to that arsenal of receivers. So I'm kind of interested to hear your initial thoughts to this. Was this something that you thought was going to happen or did it kind of come as a shock to you as well? Yeah, you know, for for a while, Kendall, there were some, I would say, conflicting reports. Uh, not not like public reports, but just as far as stuff that I was hearing, it, it was a little bit conflicting. And then um, it did get to a point to where it was kind of expected. But, um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, without going into all the details, I think they and, you know, he and South I think everybody was sort of working through um, exactly – um, how how it was going to play out, and uh, you know, I, I went back and looked. You're right; it was it was exactly the halfway point of the regular season. He played in played in six games, so then you had the six regular season games after that, plus the bowl game as well. And um, you know, I I think um, the it, it's kind of weird because his career so far at South Carolina, um, you know, I think they, and when I say they, I mean like the coaching staff, like the people in the building. I think they still are pretty high on his potential and his ability. Um, his first year at South Carolina, he played in six games, and it was because um, they were waiting on the NCAA to clear him. So, you know, he came in, he practiced with the team, and they were getting him ready, and he wasn't he wasn't cleared at the start of the year, so they had to start cutting back his practice time with the the ones and twos, basically. Well, then, boom, he gets ruled eligible by the NCAA. And next thing you know, you're back. You're thrown in there. You're at LSU uh, playing, you know. And, that, frankly, that's coming in from, like, nothing against Wingate, but it's a little different playing at LSU than playing in front of, you know, I don't know how many thousands, a few thousand, five thousand people. So, you know, that, that was a tough start. And then last year, uh, you know, this is a guy that that started some games for Carolina. And then this, uh, we'll just call situation, 
this situation comes up and he missed the last half of last year. So if you look at the just raw numbers, you're like, oh, you know, anyone on the outside looking in, Kendall's probably like, is this a is, is this guy even going to be a factor for South Carolina? It's not like he's put up huge numbers. Um, if you kind of dive a little bit deeper, I, I think, you know, he it, it's it's been some stuff that's just kept him from being able to really lock in and try to become a uh, a player for this team. I do think, if we're being fair, um, as far as expectations go, he's coming back to a receiver room, Kendall, that I think is a, a good bit different than the one from before. You've got uh, you've got Josh Van, obviously, who was here, but now this is a Josh Van that has a full year of being the guy who's back for another year. You've, you've added Antoine Wells, of course. Corey Rucker, who we still haven't seen in a Carolina uniform, but is now on campus. Um, you know, we'll be going through, obviously, summer workouts, preseason ball. And, uh, you know, Xavier Leggett had an excellent spring. They really talked up the spring that he had. Add in Landon Sampson getting in the mix. Um, you know, the carry-on joiner, Marion Brown. I mean, it's a much deeper room than it was before. So, I, I think I look at it more as, like, you're adding some more depth to the room. But I also look at it as if, like, okay, if he comes in and beats out the guys we just mentioned, then, you know, that means he's playing really well. Because I, I think that position is just – it's not – it was – you know, we all talked about that position the last couple of years. and I know I'm giving a really long answer, but um, that, that position was a worry going into last season and going into the season before. I don't really feel like – that position is a worry anymore because you've got a lot of guys that have some ability all fighting it out for playing time. Yeah, it's interesting because I think Jalen Brooks, like you said, hasn't really had a normal college season since coming to South Carolina. And he actually, like you said, went to Wingate, which is right where I'm from. Oh my gosh. Of course you had to put that up there, Wes. Just cutting me off in the middle of my sentence. I will always and forever support the Cubs, even though I do work in the White Sox organization. Uh, but yeah, we got our Cubs cup because they beat the Brewers last night on a walk-off sack fly. Anyways, back to my point. Um, so Jalen Brooks hasn't had a normal season yet playing for South Carolina, and he comes from Wingate, which is right in my neck of the woods where I grew up. It's in Monroe, North Carolina, so literally right where I'm from. Very small school, and he also went to Hickory Ridge High School as well. And when he played there, I know everyone had so much hype around him. And then when he goes to Wingate, same thing, comes to South Carolina, and then he endures all the things that he has over the last couple of years. I remember the one thing last year that stood out to me about Jalen Brooks is he made this unbelievable catch at Georgia. And that is like the Jalen Brooks moment of last year before the situation happened and he was no longer a part of the team. So hopefully he's able to come back in a form that's something like that. Uh, but like you said, it is going to be a lot harder this year to make your name known and to secure a spot in the receiver room, especially to start. There's a lot of names out there. There's a lot of guys who've really showed up and done well in spring ball or last year. So Jalen's certainly coming into a different situation. But if you're South Carolina, it's a great problem to have. It's a great problem to have depth in the receiver room and in a position group where you were worried about it a few years ago, like you said. So it should be interesting to see how it all pans out. But that news came out yesterday. Jalen Brooks coming back to South Carolina after taking a leave of absence over the last 
few months. Uh, Wes, you talk about position groups people worry about, and I think that that's a great segue into our next point of discussion, which is about South Carolina's recent commitment. That's from Trevon Baugh. So he's an offensive lineman out of Pace Academy in Atlanta, Georgia. And the offensive line is just that group that people are constantly worried about. They're constantly having something to say about the O-line. South Carolina and Greg Adkins just picking up this commitment. So talk to me about what you know about Trevon and what Gamecock fans should expect out of him. Yeah, you know, like like I said earlier in the show, Kendall, we uh, we've only been doing like once or twice a week right now, so maybe a little bit of old news for most of your hardcore Gamecock fans. He committed on Saturday, but I did I did want to dive into uh, who he is as a player and what this commitment means for South Carolina. And you know, I, I think if you kind of start to if you're one of those people that cares about roster construction and like diving into how the roster looks right now, how the scholarship breakdown is when you look at freshmen through seniors. Um, if you look at the number of guys, we've talked about this offensive line from a standpoint of this current season and veterans and having a bunch of guys that have played before. But if you start to fast forward past this season into next season, a lot of these guys we're talking about, a lot of the guys we're talking about starting or playing a lot this year are upperclassmen. And in a lot of cases are seniors, you know, Eric Douglas, super senior. So I think, it is important, in my opinion, not that you're going to want freshmen to come in and start by any means. I don't think that's fair. But it's important for this class on the offensive line to have um, to have quality and I think to have some quantity to start to kind of replenish the number of guys you're going to lose the next couple of seasons when you look at how many guys are upperclassmen. So getting ball, um, a, a big kid, 6'3 and a half, 6'4", 315 pounds, um, you know, on three, which uh, which Gamecock Central is obviously partnered with now. They have him as a four-star prospect. Rest of the recruiting industry hasn't quite caught up to that yet. I think they will. I think this is a four-star kid. You look at the offer list. Um, there were some schools coming in late. Uh, LSU comes in with a, a fairly late offer. Arkansas, which is where Sam Pittman is. Obviously, Sam Pittman, the job he did at Georgia as their offensive line coach, one of the most well-respected names in offensive line recruiting and development in the country, in my opinion, in college football. When Arkansas offers an offensive lineman, I take notice. So I think this is a – this, in my opinion, actually is probably one of the better pickups for South Carolina of the Shane Beamer era so far when you look at high school prospects only. And I, I think this is a guy, Kendall, they can build this O-line class around um, – and, uh, you know, talking to Charles Power, who's uh, one of the national guys on on three, as far as the recruiting rankings go, he said, look, you know, in his opinion, this this is a multi-year future starter for South Carolina. Doesn't necessarily mean as a freshman, but once he gets settled in, maybe you take a red shirt your first year, he could be a two or three year starter down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And he's a guy that I think a lot of people might not necessarily pay like a ton of attention to when he commits like they're okay. Yeah, it's a commitment. Yeah, that's great. But it's not a quarterback. It's not a receiver. It's not a running back. You know that those position groups get a ton of love when they commit offensive line, maybe not so much. I've always said that they're the most underappreciated position group in football. But he is one of those guys that I think South Carolina should be really excited about because it's a group and it's a position area 
where a lot of people have said there needs to be improvements. And this is a guy who could certainly do that for South Carolina. He's the second commitment in the class of 2023. And I think as these OVs start to happen, we have a bunch this weekend. And then there's a couple next weekend. Next weekend. Thank you. Um, Camp's this weekend, though. Camp is this weekend. The next weekend is OVs. Then more OVs coming after that. More camps. The month of June is crazy. Uh, But as those continue to happen, I think you will continue to see more commitments, especially for that class of 2023. We always pin July, August as kind of a big month, especially so a lot of those players can have the commitments out of the way before they start their final high school season. So, Again, Trevon, the second commitment, Zabari Sandy being the first. So exciting times for South Carolina. Lots and lots of stuff happening in the recruiting world, which you know all about, Wes. Yeah, and um, I I thought it was interesting. I had somebody reach out to me after the ball commit, and um, they actually compared him a little bit to uh, to Andrew Thomas, who was a Georgia offensive lineman that also um, – he was in the uh, 2017 class, maybe. Um, let me see if I can pull that up real quick. Yeah, 2017 class, four-star guy, national recruit. Um, more highly recruited than Ball um, as far as the final rankings go and all that stuff, but um, another kid out of Pace Academy out of Atlanta. And, um, you know, that that school has put out some, some really good players. They tend to churn out players. So – that's that's high praise. That's a that's a great compliment for him to be in the same sentence with Andrew Thomas, who is a, a high four star guy that ended up committing to Georgia. So again, I, I think um, if we sort of expanded out a little bit, Kendall, look at offensive line recruiting. Marky Anderson, four star in state kid out of Dorman. Um, his teammate DJ Geth, who is a, a three star kid, also you know in state at Dorman. Um, I think it'll be South Carolina or North Carolina, as far as he's concerned. Uh, was very excited to get a Gamecock offer. Um, North Carolina, his dad played basketball there, so there's a little family factor there that will play in. Uh, you, you can't really – you can't say that won't matter. I, I think North Carolina will have a fighting chance there, so South Carolina or North, North Carolina there. And then there are some, there's some other out-of-state offensive tackles that South Carolina is trying to make a move on that they'll have in uh, for visits in the summer. So – I think you could look at this O-line class. I think they could sign three, four, maybe five guys if it's the right guys. And, and you know, Kendall, to your point, people don't necessarily get as excited about O-line commits as they do like quarterbacks. But then that's the, the second that there is a sack in a game, everybody's pointing their finger at the offensive line. You know, like it's yeah. – that to me is the most scrutinized position – on the field, pro- probably right, like that, yeah. that or quarterback. Oh, yeah. Now, quarterbacks, quarterbacks are going to be highly scrutinized as well. Like I, I saw, I can't remember who said this. I wish I could credit it. Um, they were like, if you're if you're going to play the quarterback position, and I thought this was just put so well. They're like, no matter how good you are, you can be the best quarterback in the history of football. If you're going to sign, if you're a kid signing up to play for that, play that position. Be ready for people to tell you you suck because if you play quarterback, you I mean, you can be 19 of 20 and somebody's going to complain about that one missed throw, you know. Mm -hmm. But O-line is kind of the same. I feel like if there's good protection for a quarterback, like he drops back, he doesn't get hit. 
your you're like hardcore fans, maybe your former offensive lineman. They're they're like, oh, that was great protection. Yeah. Most people don't really talk about the O line no. until something messes up. No, no, no. no, they won't. They'll automatically credit the quarterback. If something good happens, it's like, oh, the quarterback did a great job. Or if a running back does something great, it's like, oh, the running back, you know, it's not the fact that the O line created created space for him to be able to do that. So it's just interesting because if something goes wrong, the O-line is the scapegoat. It's like, we're going to go after the O-line. It's their problem. They're the reason why our quarterback couldn't complete this pass. They're the reason why our running backs can't do anything. Like it's, that's what it always comes down to. So they never really get the praise, but they always get the hate. And that's why I say the O-line is the most underappreciated position group in football. So even though this commitment isn't a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, you know, even a DB. I feel like DBs get more love. O-line tends, I think, to get the least love when it comes to commitments, when it comes to playing on the field, just because it's like, oh, it's an offensive lineman. But honestly, they do make or break so much of the game. And I have to feel for them because it's like they don't get the love that they deserve. So Trevon Ball, a huge commitment for South Carolina, like you just said. And I think it's great for the guys up front, it's great for Greg Adkins. I know a lot of people wanting to see improvement in that offensive line this year, especially after last year. They looked pretty good in the Dukes Mayo Bowl, so hopefully that continues to improve as we start off the season. But Wes, I think we got to get into our next point of discussion, and that is about SEC meetings. I feel like this has been blowing up my Twitter for the last three days. There's been nothing but discussion about the SEC spring meetings. Before they started, it was about the drama between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. And then as they started, it was more about scheduling. It was about NIL. It was about transfer portal, all of these different things that were being discussed in meetings, so many different opinions. Uh, I also think one of my favorite things is what you posted on the GC Instagram of the seating chart. So before we get into the real nitty gritty of this, when we talk about the scheduling and the transfer portal, I got to know, who would you sit in between at the SEC spring meetings in terms of college football coaches? Oh, oh man, you put me on the spot, Kendall. Hold on. Let me um, let me try to pull that up real quick. I, and I wish I wish I had the picture ready so I could show everybody. It, it is on – by the way, if you aren't following us on Instagram, uh, this is a perfect time to give a plug. Go check it out. It's just at Gamecock Central. Um, okay. So – Coaches in order are Saban, Pittman, Harson, Napier, Smart, Stoops, Kelly, Kiffin, Leach, Drinkowitz, Beamer, Heupel, Clark Lee, um, and then a bunch of people are skipped, and then Jimbo Fisher, who I think is the chair of this the meetings this year or something in between a bunch of officials with the sec which everyone was like dying laughing about because they're like oh they put jimbo in timeout like after the whole drama but literally he's he's flanked by like seven other people um who are not coaches i you know what this is kind of an easy answer i feel like kendall well okay i guess my question wasn't necessarily like an alphabetical order because i think everybody would say leech and kiffin like i don't think anybody would say any other answer besides leech and kiffin that conversation would be hilarious but if you could like hand pick two coaches to sit next to you not alphabetical order you just got to pick two of the coaches who would you pick yeah, I mean, you you stole exactly. I mean, ev- everybody's going to pick Leach and Kiffin. Like that, that's the place to be. Um, you know what? I think, I think if you had, 
if you had Saban and Jimbo <laughs> with, with Lane in between them. Oh, my gosh. I feel like Lane would be so awkward. Like, but I feel like Lane, I feel like Kiffin would, like, instigate oh, between like the two of them. On. Yes. Yeah. Was on Twitter. Like, I posted something on Twitter when all of that was going down. And it was like me waiting for Lane Kiffin's response because he was literally replying to everything. Like he was on that. Like, I think he's the funniest person. I would pick Lane Kiffin 1 million thousand percent to sit next to me. My brother goes to Ole Miss. He goes to law school there. But I also think Lane Kiffin is hilarious. Like one of the funniest people to me. And I don't think he necessarily means to be funny. He just is. So like, his Twitter, he has a Twitter now for his dog. His dog's name is Juice. If you haven't seen it, everybody, go check it out. It's so funny. So I've been watching that Twitter account for like the last three days. Lane Kiffin is cracking me up. The whole like golf ball thing at Tennessee that happened, I would want to hear his perspective on that, like one-on-one sitting there. So I have to pick Kiffin just because I think he's such a character and he's so peculiar, but I think it would be very interesting. And then I mean, going to South Carolina, obviously the other person that I would have to pick to sit next to me is Shane Beamer. And I just feel like Shane Beamer would be really chill. Like he wouldn't, I think he would be a good person to sit next to because he he's not like dramatic. He's just very chill, good person, like a quality coach to sit next to during the meetings. Of course, I'm a little biased because obviously my brother goes to Ole Miss. I go to South Carolina. But you're I would he- you're heavily Mike, biased. I would want Mike Leach like sitting across the table from me so I could talk to him too because I want to talk to him more about candy and his food and what he likes to eat since he went viral with that interview uh, with Alyssa last year. So those would be my choices. Anyway. Wait, who who went viral? Who are you talking about? Um, Mike Leach. Okay, yeah, yeah, Leach, and Leach is a character. Like I, I mean, and I mean Kiffin and Leach being beside each other anyway are like that's I know it naturally happened because the name of the schools and it was in alphabetical order by school but that's like chef kiss perfect I I feel like but um other than the uh, and somebody says I guess we got nothing else we do I'm sorry we got sidetracked we got it's it's June June 2nd so y'all gotta chill we got we got uh we got a what three months worth of stuff to talk about leading into the season so it's okay we're SEC meeting. It's but it's not all supposed to be about left tackles and backup kickers. Like it's fine. It's okay. Um, Kendall, the actual meetings and the discussions involved, which we thought we were going to get maybe more fireworks because of what happened. Uh, you know, with with Saban and Jimbo and all. Saban sort of just said, "I'm I'm staying away from that." Like. Hands up, we're done. Yeah. Wave, waving the white flag on making any of that the topic as far as the media being able to talk about it again for a week. So, really, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's been boring, Kendall, but it hasn't had the splash. It hasn't had the, the, the flash that it would have otherwise. I, I think, you know, you look, in my opinion, scheduling yeah. has actually been the topic that has most been talked about when the coaches have then talked publicly about whatever they're going to be talking about privately. Yeah, definitely. And like, I was looking at this before 
we started the show because there it now seems to be down to like two scheduling options for the SEC and this is as you know the SEC adds Oklahoma and Texas so these options couldn't come into play possibly until 2025 but it's something they want to consider now because they're going to have to start getting contracts they're going to have to start getting the scheduling ready because as we know schedules come out years in advance you know who you're playing several years before it even happens but it seems like it's been whittled down to two so it would be nine games with three permanent rivals for each team and then six opponents that would rotate on a four-year cycle um and then the other choice is eight games with one annual rival and then the seven other opponents rotating if that isn't confusing enough when you read that and you're like okay uh you know six opponents rotate every four years and then you have three that stay um it seems like a lot of coaches though are in favor of those nine conference games Kirby Smart has talked about it Nick Saban has talked about it Lane Kiffin has talked about it Shane Beamer kind of said okay like I see perks to both of them so he kind of took the Switzerland approach uh he was he was neutral for that one. Um, but it seems like a lot more people are saying these nine conference games, that's the way that we want to go. But a decision has not been made on that yet. Yeah, the, the, my biggest takeaway is that, uh, yeah, there's no decision, but it does seem like they are leaning he- heavily, regardless of the decision, towards being no divisions anymore, which, yeah. you know, for, for all of us, like, I mean – Growing up, watching South Carolina in the SEC, uh, you know, they joined in 92. And, like, just as far as I can remember back, there's always been an SEC East and an SEC West. Yeah. So, even if there was some restructuring, I know you're adding Texas. I know you're adding Oklahoma. I get it. Things change. Um, nothing ever stays the same. But, it to me, for some reason, I don't – I can't really explain why, Kendall. It kind of hit me, like, I, I don't want the – I don't want the SEC East not to be a thing anymore. Like I, I like the division format and it sounds like with the new, like the whole, with, with the new, whatever it may be, however they structure it, there's probably not, you know, Sankey said we're leaning towards a, basically said a one division, which um, basically means there's no divisions. Uh, it's just one big conference basically format. So that that to me is like maybe the biggest takeaway, and it, I don't know. It kind of sucks. I mean, I, I may be alone in that. Maybe people don't care, but it I'm I'm not a fan of that. And it's kind of interesting the the pod system, which I kind of liked, which is basically you'd have four smaller divisions. Um, that's out as far as how they're calling it. But if you think about it, if they go to nine, and it's six and three. Meaning you're gonna that means you're gonna play those three teams every single year, three permanent opponents. Yeah. Is that not that's very close to being a pod yeah. system? It's just I, I guess there's not always there's not overlap in that all of those teams are all gonna play each other every year. But it's if you look at it so for like a South Carolina perspective, I don't know, man, Georgia, Tennessee, like I've seen I've seen some different layouts uh, for possibilities. Um, I think Florida could be in there. Kentucky could be in there. Uh, you hope Vanderbilt's in there, maybe if you're South Carolina. I, I would imagine it involves three out. Of, I think Georgia will be in there regardless, and then the other spots probably 
some version of Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky, Vanderbilt. Maybe. Like, I, I think – I think that would make sense, some of the different scenarios I've seen people throwing out. I mean, I personally don't really care if there are divisions or not. I know a lot of people have very strong opinions on this. And, like, you talk about, you know, South Carolina joining the SEC in 1992. That was even before I was born. Like, that was eight years before I was born. So, again, like, my whole life, I've also remembered there being divisions in the SEC. That's just how things were. But I'm not – like totally against playing different teams. I I think the three permanent opponents is interesting and then switching every year because there are times where I'm like, it would be nice if South Carolina could play LSU more than once every six years or Ole Miss or whoever it might be, Alabama. Um, I think it would be good in terms of keeping things kind of fresh. Um, But I see both perspectives. I do think that the reason why a lot of coaches want the nine conference games is because it's just another reason that the SEC, like they say, you know, the SEC, it just means more. And that's just another reason why things would, you know, make, it would make the SEC just all the more interesting. The SEC is obviously the most dominant conference in college football. And it could be made an argument that the SEC is the most dominant conference overall throughout everything like if you take into context all sports I mean obviously not in basketball every year not in men's basketball every year but if you take into context all sports the SEC is right up there with every single thing so it's just another opportunity for the SEC to be like okay we're not backing down like we're not going to schedule some cupcakes like we're going to do nine conference games and that makes us better that makes us different that makes us the strongest conference without a doubt as if that wasn't already known um so i'm not i'm not against it i think it's different and i think you know um the ad at at florida scott strickland said that there's some fatigue with the sec's current scheduling model and I get that. Like, I do get that because I think it's just same old, same old every year. I mean, yes, you get different players, you get different teams, things can change. But like if South Carolina two years ago was playing Alabama for every single year for the previous eight years, you'd be like, OK, well, like unless some miracle happens, South Carolina is going to lose that game every single time. They're going to lose to Alabama every single time. So it might be nice to kind of add a little bit of variation, uh, some versatility to the schedule. And I think that's kind of where they're coming from with this. Yeah, and I think um, an H-man asked a good question. What about protecting cross-division rivalries? Uh, would they have to be permanent opponents? Y- yes, ba- basically any any rivalry you were trying to protect uh, would fall into those permanent opponents, basically, is how you would do it. And I there's so many, you're talking about 16 teams now, so off the top of my head, I don't even know the math on like what, how, how many different ones you sort of, some, some may still get lost. And if you do the one permanent opponent, there will definitely be some quote unquote rivalries that will be lost. Um, but, but I agree there is fatigue. I think even for South Carolina fans going, you know, going out to Texas A&M and taking yeah. that trip the first time was probably really cool. Like, Oh, going to Texas A&M. And then it's like, okay. Two years later, A&M again. Two years later, and, you know, you're playing them every year, going out there every other year. Um, the, the, if the if you did the six and three, it would be a pretty steady rotation to where you're not you're not taking those trips all the time, but you also are seeing those trips rotated in 
more uh, more frequently, which I, I think would be cool. I'll tell y'all, I think it's going to nine. And it has nothing to do, and, and somebody made a great point, uh, Ned, on Facebook. Nine conference games plus Clemson every year is very tough for South Carolina. I I think, y'all, this, uh, this maybe eliminates – now, you've already scheduled some of these games. South Carolina's already scheduled ahead, um, like with Virginia Tech, like 50 years from now, I think. Um, so it's sort of – it's hard to say because the schedules are so far ahead. Ultimately, though, you may have to start eliminating some of those kind of fun out-of-conference games and actually reintroducing an additional free win. Basically, yeah. honestly, because if you play if you play nine SECs plus Clemson plus an ACC opponent, like another ACC opponent, like they've done recently, like you know a North Carolina or an NC State, um, you know even an ECU, honestly, that that's kind of a lose lose to to play those teams. So I I think you'll have to look into that from a South Carolina perspective. But here's why I think it's going to go to nine. It's going to go to nine because of TV rights and because of money. Because if you have – that, that's one additional SEC game, obviously, per team. But it's – and I'm not going to do the math off the top of my head. It's a ton. I guess that would be if you have 16 teams, um, they're playing each other. That's eight additional SEC games per season. Yeah. Across the conference. So over and these these TV rights deals are, are normally over many years. So over 10 years, that's 80 additional SEC games that you can package together. And what are we all talking about right now? We're talking about NIL and we're talking about how players are getting paid for their name, image, and likeness. Eventually, in my opinion, these schools are going to end up paying the players directly. Now, whether that is by the – it's a, a straight check from the University of South Carolina, whether that is the SEC as a conference is sponsoring every player, whether that is ESPN or whoever is the rights holder is sponsoring, however it's structured, I don't know. Point being, the pie is going to have to get bigger. And yeah. the way to add more money to the TV rights deals – is to add more content, to add more games. Live football, live sports still are the only thing that people actually pay for the cable and streaming packages for. You know, the live packages, I should say. So it's more valuable than ever. If you can add additional games, in my opinion, you're going to do it. Ultimately, that's why I think the nine games will win out because they're going to need more money, believe it or not to make all of this work because you can say pay the players, but here's the thing. It, the money doesn't just pop up out of the ground. Like you have to find a way to make it work financially. That's why it's going to be nine. Oh, 100%. That's, that's a great point, Wes. It is a great point. I took a class this past semester called sec football in the sports media. We spent so much time talking about how decisions regarding football are made because of what best suits the media outlets that are showing these games. They are going to want to show Alabama, South Carolina, before they're going to want to show South Carolina, ECU. 
if you're having that conference game, it's going to attract more viewers, probably going to sell more tickets. It's going to be something that people just want to consume more than they would want to consume South Carolina versus a non-conference opponent, obviously depending on who that is. But if it's like a mid-major, non-Power 5 school, of course, they're going to want to see a conference opponent ahead of that. And it's crazy the amount of influence and the amount of impact that can be had from these media companies. And if that's what they want, then that is what they're going to get. The SEC is literally in a contract with ESPN for the SEC network. Like the SEC has to take into consideration what they want because it is a business deal. It is a partnership. And if they want that to continue, then there needs to be some sort of terms that are agreed upon when it comes to things like this. It's very interesting. Honestly, I could go on about it for hours because of what I learned and what I've come to find out. But we have to talk about taxes before we get on to the next thing. Uh, and that can all be done with Liberty Tax. So overcome your tax anxiety. Hopefully uh, you've already turned in your taxes, but it's never too early to get started on next year. You do not want to be up the creek without a paddle when we have tax season coming around next year. So you can call them at 803-462-5576. I mean, Wes, they've they've been a great sponsor for our show. And I think it's perfect timing because even though tax season just ended, we can uh, we can automatically get started. So again, that's 803-462-5576 with Liberty tax and yeah if you're if you're the sec uh, negotiating these what i believe will be soon billion dollar deals you need great tax folks i can imagine so uh liberty tax we appreciate them being a sponsor and uh, even though the deadline has passed kendall um, if you own a small business or need advice um, they can help you sort of go ahead and set some things up to where your tax burden maybe isn't as bad for next year, or at least you have a much better feel for what your tax burden is going to look like. So pre-planning, if you're a small business, very important for your taxes. Um, check out their new Columbia location, 551 St. Andrews Road by the Harbor Freight. Uh, appreciate our friends, uh, Labrador. I'm making up words over here. Appreciate our friends, Larry and the tax team at Liberty Tax right here in Columbia for being a sponsor on GC Live. And you can see there, it's going to scroll down there for the rest of the show if you didn't get that number. Kendall, let's talk some recruiting, huh? Let's do it. Okay, this is our last thing we're talking about on the show. So as you mentioned, Wes, this weekend, we've got camps coming up for South Carolina. And this is not your average uh, summer camp. Like when when I hear the word camp, like for football camp, I'm thinking, okay, like they're going to get a lunch break and they're going to play all these games, whatever. No. We they do get a lunch break. Well, they get a lunch break, but it's not like a kid's camp. Like it is legitimate prospect high school athletes coming to impress South Carolina coaches. But people are probably like, what the heck goes on at a camp? Because we've talked about OVs a thousand times. We all kind of know the deal with that, what goes on there. But what makes a camp different and what goes on at these high school prospect camps that South Carolina will be hosting throughout the month of June? You know, I think um, the the way to think about the first half of the camps, it's very similar to the NFL combine, um, you know, and, and we'll see. I, I'll be curious to see, Kendall, did they restructure anything from last year? But but going by how they, they did it last year, the first um, really couple of hours, uh, you know, you get signed in, you get loose, and then, um, you know, you're going through 40-yard dash, um, shuttle, vertical jump, 
uh, long jump, like uh, or broad jump, I should say. So it, it's it's very similar, and that's by design. They're going to do a lot of the exact same testing that would happen if if a guy was was at the combine. So then uh, they are served lunch, um, sometimes by I think by Firehouse, sometimes by Chick Fil A. I think uh, to give people the really important details they're here for. And then the second half in the, uh, in the afternoon, it's another like warm up some, some individual drills where it, it actually, if you went to a South Carolina practice, it would look very similar um, where they're spread out among their position groups, going through some different things, getting some instruction. And these things are kind of twofold, honestly. So, you know, most of the guys that are at a camp are never going to play at South Carolina. Like that's just a fact of the matter. This is a cool opportunity. If you are, let's just say you're a random average, like you're a solid football player. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I mean, you're just, you're a good, solid high school starter, right? This is a chance for you to go learn from an SEC staff. So there is actual instruction going on. Like they are going through position drills specific to their position group. And um, that's going to go on for, for a while. now. Out of every single position group, there's a few guys that the staff is already very well aware of, and you're going to see eyeballs on those guys all day long because this is an evaluation tool for them. Um, then you go into one-on-ones, which is really a huge evaluation tool. So your wide receivers and defensive backs, can you get open versus uh, – these guys in one-on-one situations, running backs versus linebackers, O-line versus defensive line. And uh, it's a huge evaluation tool. And people may say, well, that's not real football because you're not tackling, you're not even in pads. Well, true, but think about it like this. If you're a top wide receiver prospect, how many defensive backs do you face on a Friday night that are at the same level as you athletically? Not many if you are a future college football player. You should be winning most of your battles in high school football on Friday night. Well, this gives you an opportunity to go up against. You can put that the number one receiver that's at the the camp on that day. You can put him up against the number one defensive back that's at the camp and let them fight it out and and see who uh, who prevails as far as that goes. Also, great chance for all the little intangibles to come out. How do you react? when you have a bad rep? How do you react when you get beat for the first time? How do you react when a coach teaches you and kind of comes down a little bit? that they, they will coach these guys up. It's not a walk in the park. Like, they will let them hear some feedback, so to speak. It's not always positive. You're looking, if you're a coach, how does a guy react to that? I've, Kendall, I've watched, I've watched a coach – be right up there, up close, watching a player to where the player knows the coach is right beside him, right? Then I've watched that same coach walk away, go all the way to the other side of the field, then turn around and keep watching the same player, trying to see if they act differently when they don't think a coach is right around their shoulder. Um I've seen a kid lose offers at a camp because of bad attitude, and I've seen a lot of kids gain offers at a camp 
because they had a great day. So camps are not like glorified necessarily, but they are very important. That's interesting. I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but I do think a lot of it, you know, might go unnoticed, like a lot of those intangibles that you talked about. But especially with the program like South Carolina, when you have Shane Beamer, who just harps and harps and harps on, we want to make this a program that has good quality guys in it. And we want to make it about love and competition and all these things that he says. I mean, at a camp like that, obviously, you want great football players. You want people that are going to be able to help your team from that standpoint. But then you also want to look for people who are going to contribute to the qualities of a person that you want in your program. The next time we might have another commit for 2023. We mentioned this earlier in the show, Wes, but kind of give them the rundown on what you think is going to happen after these OBs happen. Yeah, great question from Brandon here. Uh, When is the next time South Carolina will get another commit? I, I think you're looking at this month, Brandon. I mean, there there's going to be a run on commits because there always is between right now and August, basically. So um, hard to predict necessarily exactly when within that time frame we're talking about. But I would imagine, again, going back to the camps, there will be a, there will be a few guys that we maybe have not even talked about that will come in, will have a great camp day, will test very well, and we'll probably get an offer. A lot of times, you know, we talk about trends on here. A lot of times those guys will commit pretty quickly because if you go from like not having a bunch of big offers and then boom, I have an SEC offer, I'm I'm not letting that thing get away. Like I'm I'm gonna go ahead and commit. So June will be big. Then just depending on timing for guys, do they go ahead if they take the officials in June? Do they go ahead and commit or do they wait until next month? You know, it's all individual preference on that. But from a big picture standpoint, um, you know, Beamer said it. Uh, Beamer said, hey, I, I expect June to be a very important, um, I think he used the word great, to be a great month for South Carolina football. That was the trend last year. Summer was big. Um, it, it will be the same this year. I, I think that's a pretty safe bet, um, which is good for us because it really is the slowest time of the year for everything else. So, um the fact there will be a lot of stuff to talk about from a recruiting standpoint um, is big. And, and still, but if you follow us on Twitter, if you follow us on the Insiders Forum on Gamecock Central, lots of new offers have been going out as of late still. Um, new 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 wide receiver offers, uh, there's been a bunch of those going out. That The wide receiver board has kind of shifted a little bit. So um, I'm actually going to have more on that on Gamecock Central later on today. So uh, – it, it never really slows down as far as recruiting goes. Yeah. All right, Wes. Well, I uh, think that's all that I have for today. I know that you've got a lunch meeting to get to. Just so busy um, doing all this stuff. But we really do appreciate you keeping us up to date on everything that we need to know. Again, like Wes said, if you haven't already, be sure to follow us on all of our social medias at Gamecock Central. You can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, be sure to subscribe to our channel, click that notification bell, like this video. I hope that you all have an amazing rest of your week. Thank you for joining us on this edition of GC Live. Head over to GamecockCentral.com for more, and we will talk to you soon. I'm Kendall Smith. He's Wes Mitchell. This has been GC Live. Have a good day, y'all. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.